Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Monday, October 11th, and it's Mailbox Monday. And today I'm getting into Anchor, and we're going to play a bunch of your questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. My name is Heidi St. John, and after serving Washington families for the past 17 years, I am running for Congress to put a proven conservative voice in the House of Representatives to represent the people of Washington State's 3rd Congressional District. If you've had enough of liberals who disguise themselves as conservatives, I need your help. Together, we can tell both the rhinos and opportunistic out-of-state candidates we want our voice back. To join me in my fight for Congress, please visit HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. Well, I'm glad you guys have tuned in today. Uh, So much happening, obviously, in the news. And today we're going to take a little bit of a break from my normal, uh, you know, going over and kind of breaking down the headlines, because a lot of your questions are kind of going right back to the headlines. So uh, for without before I get started, I just want to remind you guys of how you can leave questions. You can go to anchor.fm and uh, leave a question for me there. And listen, you know, these voicemails, when you leave a voicemail for me, you just, you simply have to make sure it's under 60 seconds because it'll cut you off and then that'll be the end of it. So keep those questions short and sweet and to the point. And then you can go right to anchor.fm forward slash Heidi St. John forward slash message. And you can leave a voicemail there. And sometimes I forget about them because you guys have done such a good job of just turning written ones in. If you want to turn a written question into me, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. So I'm going to go ahead today and we're going to focus on your voicemails that have been left for me over at anchor.fm. And I also wanted to let you guys know, because a lot of you are asking about my Revelation study. This is a great time to study Revelation. I wrote a whole four-month study on it. And you guys can find it at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash store. And then just look under books by Heidi. I will link back to that in the show notes today. This is a great time for you to grab some friends that you know, download that study. It's a, it's a pretty in-depth study. So it will take you, I mean, if you just, I don't know, if you did it once a week, it's going to take you probably a month to, uh, to go through each one of those uh, parts of the study. And so depending, depending on how often you do it, I would say set aside three to four months to finish the whole thing. Absolutely worth it. I think you guys will love it. My grandmother uh, used to teach the book of Revelation and that was her passion when I was growing up. She loved eschatology and uh, I grew up hearing all about different points of view and we'll hit on some of those in the Revelation study. So again, you guys can find that at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash store and then just look under uh, books by Heidi. Also right now we are studying the book of First Timothy at Mom Strong International. Uh, you guys have heard me say for a long, long time, I think one of the biggest problems in the culture right now is that we don't know God's word. There's a tremendous lack of biblical literacy in the church right now. And frankly, uh, it's hurting us. And we have seen it hurt us all throughout COVID. We're watching as you know people who say that they are following Jesus are putting uh, you know, things online, like the, the statement on science and pandemic times, they're using the Bible for spiritual manipulation where, uh, where they are lacking common sense and frankly, courage. I think we're having a huge problem with courage in the culture right now. So I'm going to go ahead and play, uh, some of these questions for you. And again, 
If you guys want to leave questions for me, I love to have you uh, drop them at anchor.fm forward slash Heidi St. John, all one word, forward slash message and leave those voicemails for me and then we will play them. Usually we'll play them all together. All right. The first one comes from Melissa. She's asking about the banking system. Let's listen to Melissa's question and then I'll answer it. Hi, Heidi. This is Melissa. My question is um, about banks. I was listening to your um, talk about the one world government regime that's happening right now. And, and I just thought, is there any safe place to put our money? Thanks. So Melissa's asking a very good question and it's a complicated question. And honestly, you know, we, my husband and I have been looking into this for a little while now, and I've got a wonderful guest slated to come on the show in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to kind of dig deeper into the, the looming financial crisis. You guys have been hearing me say this for quite some time. Uh, the, the government, the federal government is bankrupting this country, right? We're going trillions and trillions of dollars into debt. Think about what you would do in your own family, in your own business if year after year after year you just kept going farther and farther and farther into debt and you never were making enough money. This is what happened when we raised the debt ceiling. You know, you raise the debt ceiling, all you're really doing is saying we're going to raise it just enough to secure our debts and we continue to go backwards. We're not paying this stuff down. And this is the trouble that we're in and the banks are not going to be your friend in the event of a failure or another financial crisis. So you have to understand that your bank deposits are really unsecured debt. And guess who gets the money if uh, the banks go upside down? So if, if the bet goes the wrong way for the bank, guess who's going to get that money? Uh, it's not you. So heads, the bank wins, tails, you lose. And so it's practically guaranteed that in the next financial crisis, there's going to be a whole slew of bank failures. We just saw this a couple of days ago. Uh, it's starting over in Europe. And uh, that's despite the fact, by the way, that the mainstream media is assuring everybody that the central banks have imposed higher capital requirements, you know, stress tests and all that stuff. So they're trying to tell you that when the big one hits, you're going to be safe. I don't believe it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, old enough to remember what happened in 2008, and I don't trust the FDIC anymore. I don't trust the FDIC. I don't trust the CDC. I don't trust the FBI. Uh, I could go on and on and on. And uh, I think it's worth remembering that historically, uh, banks in the United States were much better capitalized than they are now. For instance, in 1842, uh, U.S. banks had an average capital ratio of 60%, which is 10 times that of the largest banks today. And that was an era in which bank competition was based on safety because no deposit insurance was in effect. And so we've got a similar situation happening right now. And you say, well, but my my money's assured. You know, uh, the FDIC said that the first $250,000 of my account qualifies for deposit insurance. Uh, do, so I guess I would just ask you guys a question. Do you believe them? Do we really think, do, do we really believe that the FDIC has that money? This is fiat currency, by the way. It's printed money. And so I have no faith in the FDIC. And so here's been, you know, my husband's and my advice to our children. The first one is to clear as much of your debt as you possibly can right now. Uh, you know, paying down your mortgage, paying down your debt, those kinds of things. So instead of saving vast amounts of money, where especially in the bank, you're not getting very much return for your investment. Interest rates in banks are historically ridiculously low and they, they can't even keep up with inflation, 
right? Inflation, by the way, completely out of control right now, thanks to the policies of the Democrats. The Democrats own this. And uh, I had heard recently that there was a study done and 83% of Americans surveyed said that they noticed price increases in their commonly purchased groceries. Have you guys checked out the price of beef lately or just household goods? These are rising considerably and Americans are making 1.7% less than they did a year ago. And so, and we're going to continue to see gas prices. I think they're up right now, 45.1%. Washing machines up 29.4%. Car rentals, for goodness sake, you guys. Uh, My husband and I had to rent a car out of Nashville a couple of months ago. It was ridiculous. I mean, we'd been better off to buy a car and turn around and sell it again than rent the car. Car rentals up 87.7%. Hotels up 16.9%. And I think we're going to see prices go up over the next 12 months, probably in the neighborhood of 5%. And the bottom line is, this is just another way to tax the American people. So this is the fault of the Democrats. President Biden and the Democrats' reckless spending is causing inflation to surge. And that means that we are going to be paying more for groceries, more for household goods, more for taxes, uh, and we're going to be taking home less. And that's the bottom line. And so the Democrats own this stuff. Inflation is going to be, it's going to continue to surge. So if you, if you pay attention to the rising prices of gasoline, the, the amount of, uh, of increase in the prices of regular, by the way, bacon, you guys know my love for bacon. It's up 8.4% in the last year alone. Uh, Fresh whole milk, by the way, and I'm totally, uh, I I realize I'm rabbit trailing, but uh, organic farms, I met an awesome dairy farmer from Wakayakem several months ago, and they said Organic Valley had literally saved their small family farm. So wherever you guys can, and I know it's not possible for everyone, wherever you guys can support these small uh, family-owned businesses, get your beef local and your milk local and uh, pay attention to how you can put your money into the economy in a way that will benefit your area. Uh, Because I think inflation is going to continue to rise. It's absolutely here. Uh, and we're going to continue to see uh, this pinch on the American population. And so what you do is you take the price of inflation and then you look to see how your interest rate in your bank is doing. And I promise you uh, the interest on your checking account is paltry, if anything. And by the way, any interest that you earn in your bank account is completely taxable. So this is what the government likes to do. They want a piece of even the most minuscule amount of money that you earn. Same goes for CDs. The interest on a CD should be higher than offered by a checking account because the money is locked up for longer, but the interest rate is also, uh, or the interest rather, is also fully taxable. So pay attention between this and inflation. Uh, remember, inflation's happening because the prices of goods and services are rising. And uh, as that happens, you need to pay attention to the the interest rate that you're paying at your bank. And very, very likely it is right now that you're actually hurting yourself by keeping your money in the bank. So then the question becomes, if I had a little bit of extra money, what would I do with it? Well, uh, historically, we've said invest, you know, take your money and don't put it all in the same place. So you want to invest in silver, you want to invest in gold, real estate, although, you know, if you live in the Northwest right now, this is a terrible time to buy real estate. It's a great time to sell, terrible time to buy, but be looking for other 
places that you can put your money. And of course, it depends on how much money we're talking about. Nobody, I think, with a very large amount of money, at least no one I know, uh, keeps it in a bank simply because the interest is so low. And your cash is basically depreciating in terms of its you know, inflation versus its current value. So look to see where you can put your money into something that will actually hold its value. The fact of the matter is, if something happens to our economy, if there's a crash, and I honestly think, you know, we're 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 hit rapidly uh, approaching a crisis in this nation. I think unlike anybody who's alive right now has ever seen before. Not that we haven't had bad times in the history of this country, but I think we're coming into a serious uh, financial crisis and so many other things. And so we want to have our money diversified. We want to be able to, you know, I've I've told you guys for months and months and months, have a prep plan, right? Food and water on hand, medicine. It's becoming increasingly difficult to get access to medicine right now. So put your money into things that will actually hold their value. And a lot of things he's even going to appreciate as the months go by. But I wouldn't trust the bank as far as I could throw them, right? So everyone keeps telling me, well, the FDIC is in, you know, that's the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is a joke. Uh, and I and I just would never put all my money in one place. And it would be the, it'd be the best way to, if you want to earn a return on your investment, uh, don't keep all of your money in cash in the bank. The interest rates are super lame and there are lots of better places uh, to invest right now. Gold and silver probably being at the top of the list. And like I said before, real estate, think about what would happen if the if our system crashed and we've all read stories. You guys saw what happened in Venezuela. You know, people are burning money, you know, uh, to, to keep warm in barrels in the street because their, their fiat currency, this printed money, wasn't worth anything. And that could easily happen in the United States. And if that happens, we'll end up in a bartering system. So do you have anything to barter, anything to barter with your neighbors? Do you guys have a way to keep warm if the power grid goes down or if there's rolling blackouts, those kinds of things? And it's not, um, you know, I think thinking ahead, and I've said this before, you know, uh, preparation is always a good thing. It's always wise to be prepared. What you don't want to do is start panicking. Panic is sin. Preparation is wise. And so we think about that in terms of our money. We think about it in terms of making sure that we have enough food and water on hand and clothing, you know, ways to wash your clothes. Uh, all of those kinds of things are probably more important now, I think, than they have ever been. So I'm going to link back to a couple of uh, a couple of really great places that I have found especially helpful for coming up with lists to make sure that you are prepared in an emergency. We have a whole library in our home and have for a long time of what happens if you can't get to your doctor what happens if one of your kid has a toothache you know how can you uh how can you treat you know basic injuries and things like that at home i've got a whole bunch of books i'll try to link back to some of my favorites in the show notes today so that was a great question next question comes from ashley who is talking about uh being forced to get a vaccination to continue taking her medication. Let's listen to Ashley's question and then I'll comment on it. Hi, Heidi. I have a question that hopefully you can help me with. Um, I am currently receiving an infusion for multiple sclerosis. I get it every six months. It has been an amazing uh, therapy that I'm doing to help stop the progression of my disease. It's actually the only um, medication I do receive for it. My question is, my neurologist recently informed me that continue to that for me to continue to get my infusion, I will have to be vaccinated. 
I, like you and many others um, listening, uh, am not agreeing with the vaccination. I am still choosing at this point not to get the vaccination. But I was wondering your thoughts on when the medical field is now denying us treatment that is very helpful for people with chronic illnesses, um, what we should do. At this point, I'm still wanting to stand my ground and not get vaccinated. um, But I do know that not receiving my infusion long-term could really cause a lot of um, effects on my body. I'd love your thoughts on this. Thank you. So this is one of those things that that actually just breaks my heart. I, I don't know another way to say it. So we're talking about getting an infusion. And here's a woman that needs this for her quality of life. She's got probably, sounds like multiple sclerosis. And now they're telling her, we're not going to give you these infusions unless you're vaccinated. And this is going to go to the, you know, another question that I'm going to answer today. But I want us to be thinking about this. And I said it last week, and I'm going to continue to say it. If you want to know if something is evil or not, then go and check out the fruit. If the fruit is rotten, the root is rotten. And the root of this whole thing, which I've been saying for 17 months, is wickedness. It's evil. And if if people don't get it by now, I don't actually know. I'm at a loss as to how to continue to, to educate people about this. But I'll tell you what. You are. You need to be standing up for yourself. So, one of the places that I would encourage you to go is to uh, Peggy Hall, the Healthy American. That's with a T H E at the beginning. TheHealthyAmerican.com. She has probably the best information and the most comprehensive information available on the internet and on YouTube right now for helping you navigate these tyrannical. Uh, dictatorial edicts that are coming down from hospitals. How dare these guys tell you that you can't get your infusion unless you're willing to take an, uh, an experimental vaccine? The vaccines are still very much in an experimental phase. And the only reason that they're able to use them is by uh, edict of emergency order. And the emergency order is giving these guys permission, the permission that they needed to force the American people to make unimaginable decisions. And we have a friend who has been, was just majorly injured uh, by this vaccine early on in the pandemic. He literally is probably never going to be able to go back to work again. Multiple people having strokes, multiple people throwing blood clots and having uh, enlarged hearts, all kinds of things happening because we are the guinea pigs in this grand experiment. And so I'm going to encourage you, go to thehealthyamerican.com and look and see what she says about what your rights are. You guys are free and you can invoke your religious exemption. You're not asking for permission. You already have permission. The United States Constitution gives it to you. And so what you're doing is you're just saying, hey, I am invoking my exception. I don't have to I don't have to go along with this. And frankly, you guys, and I know some of you disagree with me. I hope these people go to prison when this is all over. And it will be over. And history's not going to look back on this time and judge us very kindly. And it will be over. But the fact of the matter is we're going to have to stand up for ourselves right now. And I think it's going to open up a third lane for uh, treatment. I think you're going to start to see Americans are, are uh, full of ingenuity and good ideas. And you're going to start to see doctors and nurses and chiropractors and osteopaths and dentists and all kinds of uh, people who have been fired, wonderful people who have got who have uh, 
you are wonderful at practicing medicine. And I think we're going to start to see ingenuity. I think you're going to see a third uh, lane open for healthcare. And frankly, I think we're going to be better off for it because the, the healthcare system is broken anyway. It's just like the public school, completely broken, totally bankrupt. Now we're seeing it's morally bankrupt as well uh, as in every other way. And so that's something I'm excited about. We're working with some uh, people in the medical community here in uh, the Pacific Northwest to help create these other lanes of treating people when they become ill. And so I just want to encourage you into not to be afraid, but to stand up for your rights and to, to continue to talk about how this is affecting your health and then find someone who will listen to you. Uh, because obviously, I mean, I'm like, find another doctor for goodness sake, you know, and there are, there are doctors around the country now that are working very, very hard to, uh, to help their patients who are being denied care, uh, because of this ridiculous, uh, tyrannical government that we are unfortunately living under right now. Uh, one more question I'm going to answer today comes from Amy in San Antonio, and she's asking about the hospital protocol. Is it possible that we can create a plan? So let's listen to Amy's question, and then I'll comment a little bit on it, and I'll show you guys a couple of other links that we're going to give you in the show notes today. Hi, Heidi. My name is Amy, and I'm a homeschooling mom of four children from San Antonio, Texas. My question is about hospitalization for COVID patients. We've had firsthand experience with a family member whose oxygen rate dropped to the point that his doctor said he should be admitted to the hospital. The problem with this is that once admitted, the family has little control over what is happening to their loved one, and the hospitals refuse to step outside of their, quote, protocols, which I believe are often actually killing people instead of saving lives. Thankfully, our loved one survived, but his experience in the hospital was horrible, and we're convinced it made him sicker before he got better. My husband has said he will refuse to go to the hospital if he is ever in this position. I wonder if you know of someone who could address the following question. Is it possible to create a plan that would cause the doctors to legally have to do what the patient and his advocate ask? I listen to your podcast five days a week. Grateful for all you do, Heidi. Thanks so much. So Amy's got a great question. I hear this all the time. Many, many people hospitalized with COVID and they, the hospitals are not listening to you. The parents are parents and oftentimes children uh, and grandchildren trying to advocate, right? This was absolutely the case with my mother-in-law at the beginning of the Rona when she had a heart attack and they would not let me see her. Uh, eventually, she they released her and then she came home with a hospital-induced infection, which wound up giving her a massive hematoma that I didn't even see until it was probably five days into this infection. This is criminal on the part of these doctors. And frankly, like I said before, uh, I have lost all faith. My faith in the the um, healthcare system in the United States has been absolutely shattered during all of this. And so the stories that come in, you know, to my inbox every single day, Amy, very much like yours, they're heartbreaking at best. And um, and I would just encourage you find have a plan in place, you know, for one thing. If you don't want to be on a ventilator, if um, and then find a hospital that's still listening to the requests of their patients. You know, I've heard all kinds of stories of how people are smuggling medicines into uh, these hospitals. Can can you guys even believe we're talking about this? Smuggling medicine into a hospital. People are dying because these hospitals. And these ridiculous activist doctors 
are trying to force a protocol that's not working. And we see this over and over and over again. And so one of the things I want to encourage you guys to do is to get your own medicine, create your own stash of medicine. If you haven't picked up an oxygen concentrator, think about the things that that um, people end up going into the hospital for, right? One of the big ones is your oxygen drops down below an acceptable level. So a couple of things I'm telling people that they should have at their house. First of all, is an, uh, pulse ox, uh, pulse oximeter meter, very inexpensive. You can get them on Amazon. Uh, when I had the Rona, probably the, the, I, I, I want to say I was down with it for two weeks and the hardest three days for me were when my oxygen levels were hovering in the high eighties and right at 90. And this was about three days when I could not walk. I couldn't hardly get from uh, my bed to the bathroom, Heart, had a hard time going up the stairs. And we were constantly on the phone with doctors that know our family who were saying, make sure that she lays on her stomach for this number of minutes every day. My husband was trying to have me walk outside so I could sit in the sunshine, try to keep my body moving. Uh, but later on, you know, like 99.9% of people, they get COVID. I survived. And later on, we were told by our physician that we really should have an oxygen concentrator in our home. And so we went ahead and invested in an oxygen concentrator so that we would have it to not only for ourselves and our children, but also for anyone who would need it. And you guys can find these on eBay. You can find them on Amazon. Make sure that you read the, you know, make sure that you read uh, the reviews that are left on so you, you don't wind up with a piece of junk. But you're looking at about $300 to $400 investment. And what an oxygen concentrator does is it filters the surrounding air and then it takes, it compresses it to the required density and then it delivers purified medical grade oxygen into a pulse dose delivery system or a continuous stream right to the person who needs the oxygen, thereby keeping you out of the hospital. And I would just encourage you with everything that's in me, stay out of the hospital if you can. Just stay out of it. Uh, most of these uh, oxygen concentrators are also equipped with special filters, and they they can help remove nitrogen from the air. And what this does it is this ensures delivery of a completely purified oxygen to the patient. And the you know the one I have has an electric um, user interface so that you can adjust the levels of oxygen concentration and uh, the delivery settings. And so then you just sit there, you inhale the oxygen through a nasal cannula or through a mask, and that will get your oxygen levels back up to where you need them and hopefully keep you out of the hospital. And that's really what we want at this point. So I'm telling people, you know, uh, what helped me and my daughter, one of my daughters actually uh, just got over the Rona. She came down, you know, lost her uh, taste and smell. We immediately put her on a protocol of ivermectin and uh, a couple of other things. And then also she started drinking um, water that had oranges, lemons, and um, and grapefruit in it. And within two days, she already had her smell back. She was feeling so much better. I do not understand for the life of me why doctors and hospitals are not using things that have been proven budesonide. Why aren't we using these medications and the hospitals so stubbornly sticking to protocols that frankly are killing people? It's This is a shameful and a dangerous time in the history of our country. And uh, I'm going to be having some people on the show with me in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to give you guys pathways to store up your own um, medicine at your house, including uh, if you don't have a nebulizer, you should get one. You can, you guys can find these things. And last I heard, the supply lines are going to be, they're going to be harder and harder to get. And so uh, these are things I think that are worth investing in. And frankly, we have a, a little window. We're getting a warning right now. Look around you, see what's happening in the, in the nation. 
pay attention to what you see going on around you, and then take steps to protect yourself and your family. This is the time to do it. All right. And speaking of time, I'm out of time for today, but I'm going to come back and finish answering some more of your questions tomorrow. I might even take this through Wednesday because a lot of these questions have been stacking up in the queue. So we'll come back. I'll answer some more questions. And then later on this week, we're going to have some great guests on, including someone who got out of the fascist uh, country that is sadly Australia. So hang in there, you guys. Listen, trust in the Lord. All right. I'm going to end today by just reminding you the Bible teaches us that some might trust in horses and some in chariots or some in uh, a medical system or some in the government, but we don't. We, the children of God, trust in the name of the Lord. And he's giving us right now a window of opportunity to provide for our families, to store things in case we need them. Think about Joseph in Egypt, right? And how, uh, and how God spoke to him. Listen to the voices of people around you right now who are saying this is the time to store up medicine, to store up food, uh, you know, have a way to keep warm in the winter, those kinds of things. This, it's never a bad idea to do that. So even if we don't end up in a, in a dire situation, and I still pray to God that we don't, it's always a good idea to be prepared for an emergency right? We prepare for hurricanes. We prepare for tornadoes by building uh, shelters underneath our homes. You know, we earthquake proof our bridges and things like that. Why would we not protect ourselves against financial collapse, against a a, a weakened supply system, against, uh, you know, against tyranny? We just never thought that we were going to live to see this kind of tyrannical dictation or these kind of tyrannical dictates rather coming from our elected officials. But that is, in fact, what's happening right now. The the Democrats are dangerous, and we've got uh, weak Republicans uh, leading this nation right now right over a cliff. And so I'm going to encourage you. I'll link back to a bunch of these things in the show notes today. Build yourself a library and, and just do some basic things for prep. And you guys remember what happened when we ran out of toilet paper. Thing People lose their minds. And I would like to see you guys be ahead of it and not behind it. All right. That's all I got time for today. I will come back tomorrow and we will answer more of your questions here at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.